I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back with a nostalgia overload, a glimpse back at sunnier times through rose-tinted spectacles. If you like the 2000s, or the noughties as they call it, you're in the right place. If you're into football, which you should be, you're skulking around on the What If Football YouTube channel after all, then you're also in the right place. Welcome to the Noughties Nostalgia Podcast. Fuck me. (laughs) Each week my esteemed pal AJ Alex Rhodes in his Brexit Umbro again today. And me, yeah. Jake Doyle, in my German theme, hop into our time machine to the 2000s. We select a footballing moment each to pick the bones of. So today we're looking at the 2007 Community Shield final between Chelsea and Man United, as it was on this day 13 years ago. And we've got something a bit special from Euro 2004, which you're going to talk us through, sir. Let's do that then. Euro 2004, obviously this year, which never Euro 2020, which for me was the biggest shame about lockdown. It was like, as long as the Euros, you know, when it was early days of coronavirus, it's like, as long as I still have the Euros, that's okay. And now it's gone. But it's literally now. Um, yeah, football free summer when the, when the league ends in a couple of weeks. But obviously, BBC and ITV have been chucking on loads of old games. One of them recently, BBC showed a couple of times was Yara Tasman Park, England versus Portugal quarterfinal. Great game. For me, 02, I know we've discussed this a few times, like in our chat and stuff, like 02, 04, 06, all like came, and even 010, 010, even 2010 in a way, they all came at a time that were like, obviously, we were born 92 and 93. Yeah. So they came like teenage years and we kind of grew up. We were having these tournaments every year, obviously barring 08. But for me, you had like 2002 primary school watching England versus Brazil early in the, in the morning. England, yeah. England flag draped around your shoulders. 04 was, and 04 and 06 were more just like proper hot days. I remember having like the door open at home and just like yeah. eating shitloads of ice pops watching England. It was 2018, really. Matches. 
It was quite similar <laughs> yeah, to 2018. Came back around. Yeah, yeah. I sat with a hot summer, obviously. And then obviously, oh, I didn't have one. And then by 2010, well, I was We'd pretty much up. in the pub. In the pub. Yeah. I remember throwing up after England versus Slovenia. Was that the other part one where Rooney's shouted in the camera? At the that end? was Algeria, that. Yeah, that was Algeria. fans <laughs> willing you. What you felt <laughs> nice support? to see, nice to see support. Yeah, yeah that'll go. <laughs> yeah, so nice you, see, yeah, I've got the same Wayne Rooney impression. And I think, and I think, oh far, kind of, especially oh far, English part still really typified that feeling of boiling hot summer, kind of not wanting to go to school the next day, but you knew what everyone was watching it, and you would be all talking about it. And it was literally, that was it. You got, to, and I think tournaments tend to seem better when you watch it back on the highlights but that they might do, yeah. be nostalgic it's a massive nostalgia one for me so i mean and the game itself then so england obviously golden generation team which i had for a large part of the noughties for most of the noughties playing against the host portugal who were i mean you could argue both favorites in this game for the tournament so it was obviously a cracker of a game that everyone watched Luis Scolari said it's like one of his best features as Portugal manager given the occasion. I think when you look at the England team, you would have to say so and all the teams that did beat them around that time probably do look back and say they've beaten a great team there. England obviously not that great going into the game. A lot of people saying weren't playing the best, but they were winning games. That's what's important. When you've got players like Owen Rooney, Beckham, well, yeah, everyone that they had. Don't, don't really need to go into it. It doesn't matter if play that well, he can still win any game. And England really should have won this game. Um, won all. And then Sol Campbell in the last minute scored a yeah. perfectly good goal. Yeah. And it was ruled out for some reason. Still Just really as in France, not yet. And it was a bit of an infringement on the goalkeeper, but that's yeah. pretty much all that can be seen. Yeah, so then into extra time. Dramatic moments. Yeah. England really clinging on at times, as call, saving it off the line. And then penalties with Ricardo being the pantomime villain. Uh, to be fair. Saving one with no gloves on and then starting <laughs> the other to put England out. To be fair, Owen did hit the crossbar in the lead up to Sol Campbell's goal. I mean, it, it was our best chance for me at winning a tournament. With O2, because oh, if you look at yeah. the teams ahead that were to come, it would have been the Dutch in the semi-final, which they were probably between Holland and Czech Republic were playing the best football at the tournament. Obviously, in the end, it comes down to Greece. Um, so, but then again, England had exactly the same record as Portugal going into it. Probably played a bit better because we lost on the opening day, like Portugal did. They beat. They got beat off Greece. We got beat off Zidane pretty much yeah, in the yeah, last yeah. minute. I mean, we put seven goals past Switzerland and Croatia. And I, I remember thinking in the Croatia match when Rooney just blew them away. You got Lampard having a great tournament as well. I thought Portugal, I mean, Portugal, they've had three tournaments in 18 years. So Euro 96, Euro 2000 and the 2002 World Cup and they didn't do a right lot in any of them, apart from they got to the semi-finals in 2000, but that's it. So they've had one mm. tournament. So I thought we were going to beat these. And yeah, yeah. obviously it went down to the final kick. Ricardo, gloveless Ricardo, 
saved off the yeah. cell without his gloves on and scored. And if the penalty spot didn't move for David Beckham, maybe we'll be talking about England perhaps winning the tournament because I, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think we'd have beat the Dutch. I think we'd have right. probably, especially after a penalty shootout, even though they had two days extra rest, I think they'd have beaten us. And I think 2002 is our better opportunity because if we'd have beat Brazil, then who would we have faced? Turkey and then Germany. But Germany then in 2002, they wouldn't have had, didn't have Balak. He was suspended. The best player was in net and would have, I had fancied us to beat them. Yeah. Whereas Holland, I think were better, even though they got beat off Czech Republic in the groups. I think I'm not entirely sure on that one. But yeah, and then it paved the way for Greece beating Portugal in the final, which yeah, obviously that could you know be me, I don't do further down the line. Yeah, yeah, I don't like underdog winners like that. I am, I am. I mean, like 2018, I was enjoying it, the World Cup, but part of me was thinking uh, Holland and Italy should be here. And then when it got to the sec, got got to the quarterfinals, I'm thinking, well, Spain out here, Argentina. Yeah, I think I must admit, when it comes to international football, you do, when it comes down to it, there's quarters and the semis, you want your good teams there. I mean, even the recent World Cup, it was like, Croatia were obviously good, obviously not teams in doubt who looked good again. Um, but you knew France were probably going to turn them over in that yeah. final. England after this would be two years down the line, another quarter final, Portugal, another penalty shootout. And I don't know if it was because I was jaded from this match, but I didn't fancy us to beat them no. on penalties. Oh, I didn't. No, it would no, be two years no. further down the line, another penalty shootout loss. Obviously, we'd lost to. We'd lost. I can remember the Argentina loss in '98. Um, but then before that, obviously, it's like Germany in 1996. So you don't have yeah. all that much hope. And the golden generation, in a season which was weird because 2008, it was an all-English Champions League final, but with no English representation at the Euros. It was at the height of English dominance in Europe. Yeah, Liverpool, Chelsea, not so much Arsenal, <laughs> uh, Man United. And I think it was at the point where, if you looked at that tournament and there wasn't Spain in it, which is a big what if England would have done pretty well to get through that and win it but we didn't qualify yeah. and that was the end of the golden generation and then and then we've sort of entered yeah, into I like think. sort of a decade of wilderness really where we didn't do anything just we? I mean, like, pick up again it has because there's a clear it's like I would say a clear plan makes it sound like club football but there is a clear sort of like ethos with like young players is, yeah like I mean, Southgate seems like uh, he's done his proper, properly done his homework. Like Capello and Hodgson, Hodgson especially. I, mean, I still don't know if it's a case of just Southgate. Obviously, I love the direction now, but is it just Southgate saying the best English players are attackers? We're going to play fairly attacking football, right? Because we don't have a whole, whole host of quality defensive and defensively mm. minded midfield players. It's more emphasis yeah. on attacking it. So I mean, midfield. I think he's go. He seems to be going with the trend in the Premier League because when he picked the job up, it was the year Antonio Conte won the Premier League with Chelsea playing a three-five-two or a three-four-three, whichever one you want to. Yeah, so yeah. he played that at the World Cup, and it was quite clearly afterwards. You know, Pep's playing four-three-three. We were quite attacking four-three-three. I remember, 
I found one of my old tweets from like it's one of his first few games, and it's like De Bruyne, Fernandinho, Sil- David Silva in, mid- in a three-man midfield, and I'm thinking, even though I, I can't remember yeah. they were playing, they were playing some mid-table trash in the Premier League away, and I thought, oh well, they'll just get beat because there's too many attacking players, and then obviously City win. 198 points in two seasons and I think that's a trend now with him it's going to be Henderson or Rice and then two very attacking midfielders either side Yeah, Sancho, Sterling, Rashford Kane, three out of four of them and then just score more than they score against you which Joe Gomez and Harry Maguire I've got full faith in but then again I mean you say we've not got enough quality Look back at this sort of generation we had. So bring it back to the actual game. You've got one thing I do want to point out and question because back then, obviously, we're not. Well, I want you. You are a bit of a football nerd, but what do you mean by that? Well, like well, when I say what I'm going to say, you probably kind of get it, but. Like I didn't really bat an eyelid about Darius the cell was playing, but now I look back and I'm like, why would? Various to sell because there are a lot of English strikers mm. about. If you look at the top scorers, I mean, a lot of them older, maybe it was age, but he wasn't that young at that time, I don't think. Which you, you could have had, I mean, obviously, Shear is retired, Sheringham retired, but Sheringham, in fairness, were only playing in 2001. You know, people come back for tournaments. Mm. Uh, yeah, Les Ferdinand, he scored more goals than the sell that season. Jermaine Defoe. English players. Jermaine yeah, Defoe. Good is, English players. That's the one I thought. But why is Vassell, who scored like nine goals for Aston Villa, playing in the Euros as backup for Uni and Owen? You could say that, uh, well, I was going to say you could say that about Heskey because he only scored a few goals that season, but he's a very much diff- a different type of forward. He's a more of a false nine yeah. that you sort of assist. A foil. Everyone... <laughs> he used to say it was a foil. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he did yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. already proven himself to, to do a good job for England. Um, whereas Vassell, just still, to me, looking back, can't really work out why I was there. I mean, I think he was definitely attacker number three Kevin or Phillips. four, wasn't he? Yeah, Kevin Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I think he was he was pretty dead set on Owen and Rooney, wasn't he? I mean, Rooney yeah. was phenomenal at this tournament. I mean, Vassell Probably might have... Term, yeah. Vassell, probably the only reason why he was on the pitch, maybe, is because Rooney broke his foot. Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, I mean should that not be... Before Kevin Phillips, or even some one of the older players mm. who retired, coming on for him instead. But I mean, you can, I wouldn't blame the exit on Vassell, even though he did miss the crucial penalty because a penalty shootout. I mean, Rui Costa missed a penalty, and Beckham missed a penalty. The two of the best players, yeah, oh yeah. two best midfielders. Yeah, it? yeah. I'm not and blaming him. I'm just saying. Th- <laughs> why were <laughs> was he actually there? No, I, 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 I think if it was. Two years previously, I mean, you've got Andy Cole, you've got Robbie Fowler. I mean, Kevin Phillips couldn't even get into that team. And he was, two seasons before that, he was scoring 30 goals in the Premier League. And I think, I don't think even Kevin like Phillips... Alan Smith? Yeah, Alan Smith, I oh, think. Was Smith there? Like, yeah. Was Smith I'm there? I'm not sure. I don't think he was there. I don't think he was. I think then I think he even... was. That's even more baffling because he could have... Mm. Departed midfield a bit as well if he did later on in the game. Yeah, he's he's more of a ten, isn't he? Or, or, well, it, it wasn't really a ten back then, was it? It was more like the midfielder or attacker, wasn't it? But I don't know what you'd call it really. But Fergie turned him into a Makaleli anyway. The season after, pretty much. So yeah, 
Well, if you, let's look at um, Portugal after. So, like, we've had, let's have a look, we've had seven tournaments since this uh, year of 2004. England have only finished a tournament better off than Portugal once, yeah. and that was 2018 when they got to the semi-finals. We've had Portugal even won the Euros in 2016, winning one game in 90 minutes, which was yeah, one of them. Got to a couple of semi-finals, quarter-final and, semi- and a round of 16. We both got knocked out in the groups in 2014. So does that mean Portugal have a better national pedigree than us? Us English? I think possibly. Um, I think there's a few reasons for that. I think first, I don't, well, I'm not saying they're lucky and that's the reason, but they, they do seem to have that mentality of just getting through games with enough sort of talent sprinkled in there. Um, for me, yeah, that, that's that's yeah. it. Whereas we, and the other reason would be we don't have, and I guess this kind of feeds into the first reason, they don't have big national press, pressure. I mean, they might do now, but certainly a few years ago, it probably wasn't there. So they'd kind of just had a golden generation paid off like we had. Yeah, you know. When well, you I mean, you've got you got Deco, Costinha, yeah, exactly. Rui Costa, Ronaldo, Manish. Manish had a superb tournament. He kept coming up with yeah, superb goals as well. Great. I mean, Portugal. I think now are coming again. They've got you know like Guedes, Yao Felix, yeah. Ronaldo still going to be there. It seems like he's just going to play until he gets one hundred international goals, and then he'll probably retire from international football when he retires from club football. A bit like Zidane. Yeah, I think now it's like there'll be a legit pressure. Like there is probably going to be on the Dutch for the next few years. Yeah. Where you've, they've got good young players coming through. Whereas before it was Portugal, obviously had a, had a handful of world-class players, but you never knew what they were going to do. And they always seemed to pull it out of the bag anyway. And but so did, we. so did we. So we had, but I yeah. think if you... Well, we if, genuinely had one of the world's best teams and people said these mm. lot should be winning the World Cup and they should be winning the Euros. But as I've said countless times, like you can have the best team in the world, right? But like the the system, Sven was so rigid in his four four two that we had Paul Scholes on left wing, which yeah, <laughs> come it on, it didn't look good out there. It did. And then it like work. Scott, he's, we've got a four four two, so we've got Beckham, Scholes, Gerard, Lampard, four best midfielders, not just for England or in Europe, but the world for the past generation, and. And you still can't win. You know, Owen won the Ballon d'Or three years before this tournament. Wayne Rooney was probably, you know, we call him the White Pele. So, I mean, that's how sort of big his talent was. I mean, the defence, even with Rio Ferdinand out, Terry. Yeah. You know, he's a record uh, Premier League winner, almost. Non-Man United record Premier League holder with like six or seven. You got Campbell, you know, scorer of Champions League final, um, invincible, Ashley Cole, invincible, Gary Neville, 10 Premier Leagues. I mean, that yeah, should have wiped. Happens. That was it, man for man. Best team in the tournament, maybe yeah. along with France or, yeah, France. I mean, that <laughs> we just didn't have the right system. Like, sacrifice, maybe sacrifice Owen or Rooney. Play a four-three-two-one. Get Hargreaves in there. Play a proper yeah. defensive mid because Scholes and Gerrard in the middle together. It was, it, it was so much. It was said so much that it became a cliche. It was yeah, so yeah. bad yeah, in the press yeah. of like can Gerrard and Lampard play together? I mean, 
you wouldn't stick the two attacking midfielders, maybe like 2014 when Gerard had dropped a bit deeper, maybe, but then even then he's not the type to be like the one holding midfielder. And we just needed Owen Hargreaves to start Owen Hargreaves, please. But yeah, that's where I think electric. we fell down. It, it looked great. Which yeah, is, yeah, I think in the end, the, the poor system part, yeah. because if we were playing the right system, we wouldn't have been in that situation. We wouldn't have been in those penalties. We should have saw parts go off in normal time. But we, Well, if if we had the right system, we'd have breezed through that tournament. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> Maybe struggled against yeah. the Dutch, but the opposition we faced, we didn't need to beat France to win it. I mean, we had a precedent of picking the players over the system. So we just... Oh, we've got four best midfielders in Europe. Probably Let's no. put them in a, in yeah, a midfield yeah. four with one of them out of position. And yeah. we had two of the best forwards. A back four, you know, so it speaks for itself. That's fine. But like, sacrifice a player to make the system work. Owen Hargreaves was n- not a bad player by any means as a Champions League final winner. He could actually take a penalty. He scored one here and he scored one two years later. Yeah, in yeah. A penalty shootout. Yeah. Yeah, hey, it's penalties, and I'm just, I hate this match. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. On this day, 13 years ago, it was a 2007 Community Shield. Chelsea won, Manchester United won. Maluda equalised Ryan Giggs' as opener, and then it went to the from one penalty shootout to another. Today, um, went to the, probably the least pressured penalty shootout in history. Claudio Pizarro missed one. Ferdinand scored, Carrick scored, Lampard missed, Wright Phillips missed, Rooney scored, whitewashing the penalty shootout, 3-0. What I want to ask you is, where do you stand on Community Shields and Super Cups as a whole, really? Um, Should they be a I thing? I think if you're ask, asking me this now, it's vital to the answer that I give you because we're at the end of the season and although football has been away for a little bit, you know, I'm happy to put football away for a few weeks, um, nice. or I will be at least fairly soon. But obviously, if you ask me in an odd numbered year, like halfway through the summer, would you take a community shield right now? I'd say, yeah, please give me anything. I think that's the only reason they have any appeal is because you've been uh, deprived of football for like six weeks or whatever. Well, that in pre-seasons, but yeah, yeah pointless too. Pre- so yeah, the, the, it's just a, is it a glorified friendly? Just, I think yeah, I think so. I think any team who counts it as a major trophy is going to get ridiculed. So yeah. yeah, does the UEFA Super Cup matter? Because I I think that is a bit higher on the totem pole than sort of national Super Cups. So you've got like obviously. It's pretty much the same for all countries where the cup winner plays the league winner, and if it's if the cup winner is the league winner, they play second place. So, yeah, the Champions League winner and the Europa League winner does that hold more importance for you, or the cup winners, cup winner in previous? I year? think it, to me it does, but I get the vibe that just generally it's not held in that high regard. But it should be a really good game, but. For some reason, it just does fall flat as well for me. And, I mean, the current guise of the Club World Cup is essentially just a big Super Cup, isn't it? Where's that on the totem yeah. pole for you? Is that above Super Cups, Community Shields? Because for me, for me, it's, it's I'd take winning that probably less than the League Cup. But in South America, 
it's like the biggest thing. It's bigger than winning their Champions League with Copa Libertadores. Right. Bigger than winning the league because you've got to win both of those to get into it. Or you've got to win at least the Libertadores to get into it. So is that prestigious or is it just FIFA money-making scam? I think it's a good idea, but not greatly executed again. Because it did used to be the Intercontinental Cup. I mean, like you'd have the winners of the Libertadores, which is essentially what the Club World Cup final usually is. I mean, last year it was Flamengo against Liverpool. It's always like United played LDU Quito. Uh, exactly, we had yeah. Santos playing uh, Chelsea. I mean, those sort of games, if you just play it as an Intercontinental Cup, I mean, I'm fine with that. I mean, I won't count it towards any trophy hall or anything like that because, I mean, Jose Mourinho does, doesn't he? But, I mean, I, I... I think it just needs to be more accessible and marketed better. Like, I don't, it's probably not the case, but the last few years always seem to be random timed matches jarring well the English domestic league I don't know how it obviously affects the others off the top of my head without really thinking about so maybe it's timing maybe instead of I mean you'll be able to do it every year but instead of having like a pre-season tournament which most teams seem to do now like flipping Toyota Cup or whatever they have in pre-season <laughs> the Audi Cup the Audi Cups and all that you know have, have it then maybe and hype it up more what but, about uh, yeah it's the... just it's just unless you're a fan of the club who's going to the world, world club club you're not going to watch it whereas it, sh- it should be the case everybody's watching it mm. everybody watches the champions league so why but not everyone is watching liverpool play in china at four in the morning or whatever unless you're <laughs> liverpool so I agree, yeah i agree um another thing i would say is what about the spanish super cup format because now four teams playing it and it's played in january and also, Italy now take their Super Cup to the Middle East to play it in. How do you feel about that as the game goes? Yeah, that, I think that's just a scam, to be honest. <laughs> I think if you ask, no, no one's benefiting from that, I don't think. Uh, well, the people the of the countries that they go the to. Team, the top teams don't care, and the, the teams who are third and fourth probably are like, we don't really have time for this, want to just concentrate on well, having yeah, a good season. Yeah, exactly. So let's have a look at some good Community Shield moments, shall we? Pat Jennings scored. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Pat Jennings scored for Spurs against Man United in 1967. You've got the Leeds Liverpool fight from 1974. Johnny Giles knocking Kevin Keegan out. You've got Eric Cantona scoring a hat trick for Leeds in a 4 3 against Liverpool. You've got Arsenal and United fighting. Gary Neville throwing a few slide tackles in there. And then in 2010, the best of all, you've got Javier Hernandez scoring by kicking the ball into his own face, which for me sums up the community yeah. shield. It's just traditional, isn't it? I guess that's the only... I guess so, but... That's the only way. I think if someone got rid of it, people would complain. I'm really not sure. I yeah, don't it's think... especially pointless when it's first against second, which, well, hasn't happened for a couple of years now, but... Well, I mean, 2013, you had United versus Wigan, David Moyes' only trophy for United. That felt more pointless than, say, <laughs> yeah, than say United versus Arsenal. The United-Arsenal games of the past, I mean, we had one in 98, 03, 04. I mean, this time around, yeah. it's going to be, we don't know the winners of the FA Cup yet, do we? 
So it'll be Liverpool versus Chelsea or Arsenal, which ne- normally is a big game, but I just feel though it isn't really. It's just it's just tradition, and even in, is it tradition because a lot of teams sort of seem to forego it back when it was starting up in like the seventies. Sixty-four league winners have won it. Thirty-seven FA Cup winners have won it, and four league runners-up have won it. Do those numbers surprise you? Um, a little bit. I probably would have said there'd be less FA Cup winners, mm-hmm. but these days you generally don't have FA Cup winners who aren't top ten Premier League teams. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, apart from Wigan, we haven't seen one since. Yeah, exactly. Portsmouth in two thousand and eight. It's just a for me. It's a glorified friendly that's owing to tradition and probably should be scrapped. But it's a way to sort of bring money yeah, into Wembley. Out of a new generation, you're not going to learn much from it. I mean, if you look at United versus Chelsea um, on the opening weekend of this season, it's gone. United beat yeah. Chelsea four 0 but then a couple of weeks ago, Chelsea turned over United in the cup. So. Yeah, and they're both sort of young teams starting their journey. So I mean, if you're a team sort of in the middle of success, that's the barometer. Going into the Unit Shield, you're going to win and continue that. But it's just weird. I think every team, every team treats it differently. So some, yeah. it's just an extended pre-season where they can try a few youngsters. You know, play Richard Eckersley and Fraser Campbell if you want. <laughs> You know, it's that sort of game. Oh, Why not? It's let's get going. The league starts next week. So so before we leave the comfortable inertia of the footballing world, we'll bring you a 2000s trivial teaser. So last week, we had a forward who was born in May 1986. He was managed yeah. by Alex McLeish and Miguel Herrera. His teammates were Antonio Valencia, Kevin Phillips, Lee Carslett, Nathan Redmond and Joe Hart. And the answer was, of course, Chucho Christian Benitez, who died on that day last week, a number of years back. And shout out to everyone who got that right. Superb forward in his time, especially in Birmingham. I thought it was going to be a Champions League centre forward for quite a long time in England, really. Yeah. So, as you've seen there, we give out a date of birth, a position, Two managers, five teammates, and you've got to guess it. So today, this man shares a birthday with me, and his birthday is 9th February 1974. He is a central attacking midfielder, or Cam, if you're one of those uh, FIFA nerds. He's been managed by Gus Hiddink and Johan Cruyff, and his teammates his teammates are John O'Shea, Maurizio Pochettino, Georgie Hadji, Luis Figo, and Romario. So one of those is not like the others. <laughs> it's Figo. <laughs> so have you got any uh, clues, I mean, any guesses about who that is? You've got Gus well, Hiddink, Cruyff, O'Shea, Poch, Hagi, Figo and Romario. I've got a name and I'm pretty sure it ticks four out of the seven names you've said. Because it might not, yeah, him and John O'Shea might not cross paths actually thinking about it, but yeah, mm, it's a good one. And last week's was good because I completely forgot about him, which is a bit disrespectful. Yeah, so something I want to talk about is actually football related this week. So right. it's 100% football content. Um, is a viral video 
that I don't want anyone to ever forget about because I don't think I'll ever forget about it, which is Michael Owen murking a 13-year-old goalkeeper. <laughs> so check that out if you haven't. It's Michael Owen's dodgy VHS that I had back in the in the yeah, 90s. Yeah. And there'll be people out there who've seen the whole video and probably know some of the dodgy shit in it, which I need to do because it's probably as gold as the clip that everybody knows about. So you've got your 13-year-old goalkeeper. Yeah. Why do we know he's 13? Because uh, Neville Southall, his coach in the clip, reminds everybody he's 13 whilst Michael Owen is celebrating every goal he scores past him. Like he's scoring in a World Cup final. Yeah. Game set and match owing. Game set and match owing. It it is baffling to see this grown man. I mean, Michael Owen, I think, has since, well, he might have always, but especially since retirement and the whole flying around to buying helicopters debacle. That's another good clip, that. (laughs) Has become a little bit of a strange cult figure, I'd say. Yeah, he's... And and this clip definitely feeds into that. Um, Yeah, so a shooting practice in it against 13-year-old kid, one-on-ones. And it's from the point of view of a goalkeeper. So you get Neville Southall coaching this kid at the Britannia Stadium for some reason. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Coaching this kid. Um, but then Michael Owen comes in and makes him look like a proper knob. Um, well, it, so. it was it was a couple of years away from winning the Ballon d'Or, and he's there sticking one in the top corner past this gingerhead thirteen-year-old. Yeah. Not even a good like gingerhead thirteen-year-old. So this kid's not, as far as I know, playing. Because I've done some research on it, obviously um, playing for not playing for one of the top teams. It's not like they've got. United's best academy goalkeeper and chucked mm. him against Michael Owen. He's just some local kid, it seems. Well, they were asking for some to put a casting call out. I don't know what the casting <laughs> call would have said. Come, let Michael Owen make like a dick on his latest video. <laughs> Do you want to be humiliated by a Premier League footballer at the Britannia yeah. Stadium? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I think this guy only ever, well, he had a career cut short in in his teams, and then only ever played like Sunday League. But did star in um, Jimmy Grimble. So yes, yes, in what a film that is. To be fair, he's not the one coming out of this clip looking like a knob. So yeah, well, there, there you go. go. Swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Yeah, Michael Owen again. I mean that helicopter clip where he's blatantly in a CG helicopter with a uh, that advert is just phenomenal. Yeah, so that the, the acting is wooden. So you've got your three things. You've got the goalkeeper. 13, well done is 13, let's call it. Well done is 13 clip. Yeah. If you buy a helicopter clip. Yeah. And then the fact is only ever seen like five films and it hates films. Yeah, cool. And three I'm... things since he's been retired that have made him look a bit odd. And his commentary. Remember when he used to do commentary? Well, yeah. oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. That was a rough sort of period. I mean, a lot of people slate Phil Neville because he sounds like quite droll and that. But like, Jesus Christ, Owen's just his insight. I mean, whoever's been watching the Premier League well, since it's restarted, Sky have, for some reason, and BBC, put Ashley Cole front and centre. I yeah. mean, wow. I mean, we probably can't talk, but Jesus, we're not getting paid by a big organisation for this. Yeah, I wonder who the next Michael Owen will be in terms of just someone retiring. Humiliating kids. Turning out. <laughs> yeah, just turning out to be proper weird. Here's I think one before, then. no one, 
I mean, he was bland. I don't think anyone knew he was. Yeah. I don't think anyone ever worried he was going to like show up on the front page of a newspaper and doing something scandalous, but True. he just seems psychopathic a little bit. Who would be the who would be your modern day equivalent then to be the striker in this clip? Your young centre forwards like twenty three and under to be Michael Owen in this and be the one to stick a few goals past a hapless barely teenager and then just run off celebrating like he's won the European Cup. So someone who gives me them vibes. Yeah. Can't think now. You put me on the spot. Um Patrick Bamford well, for Leeds not, probably isn't all oh, young. Yeah. I know he's definitely not young enough, but Sturridge gets gives me those weird vibes sometimes. He'd do that dance afterwards, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he would. So that's all we've got time for today, unfortunately. Um we're back next week with another podcast. I've got Gilbriel Cisse's birth and I look back at his career and what are you going to look at for next week? Pro Evolution Soccer 4 and the subsequent dominance of Konami on the football simulation team. Good stuff. And we'll also find out the answer to the Cruyff O'Shea teaser. We've got a new teaser as well. Some more musings from Alex and coming up elsewhere on the channel. Tomorrow we've got a debut new series for a back Thursday kicking off with the inaugural Premier League season. Monday's What If ponders if Rio Ferdinand doesn't miss his drugs test in 2003. Maybe he wins the uh, Euro 2004 for England. You'll have to tune in to find out. And Chooser's tier list is a ranking of the Premier League winning captains. So until then, see you later. See ya. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.